Listener Reported, Brick Arts Medium, Podcast Studio, and I'm your host, producer Melvin Isaac, a Vietnam-era veteran. Now, this will be a continuation uh, episode of what happened before. As we got there, an RPG detonated 20 feet away. It was as if someone had taken a dustpan of gravel and rock and just poured it in your mouth. I got one right in the chest, right in the center. I'd go back. In a New York minute, I would go right back because I was comfortable there. We had bombs going off and IEDs going off and all that stuff, and I was focused. The experience of a French soldier in Napoleon's army uh, is no different than the experience of a Marine today. Uh, the terror, the exhilaration that soldiers feel in combat, it's been part of war since the first humans. War is heroic, it's scary, it's horrifying. There's courage and loyalty and brotherhood and sisterhood and all these things that have made humans human for a very long time. We like to think that war is an aberration, but there's scarcely been a culture or a time when we've not been at war. It's universal. We try really hard to keep combat at a distance, but when we talk about war, we're talking about what it means to be human. Because uh, I started out with episode one, episode two, and this is episode three. And you're going to be hearing veterans sharing their stories of what happened to them uh, while they was in Vietnam and uh, what made them become homeless and how the, uh, the uh, society uh, accepted them at that particular time. So it's gonna be heartbreaking again, but it's needed because veterans need to uh, express themselves and need to uh, let the world hear what happened and why they did become homeless or drug addicts or became involved with uh, criminal activity and uh, why they felt that uh, America had gave, their country had given up on them. But some of them still stay strong and they continue on. So it's these voices that need to be heard. And uh, it's gonna be shocking at times but it's, it's life, it's the way it is, it's what's going on with veterans that went out into uh, a war area where most of them didn't know what was going on. And uh, you know, it's like that, uh, coming out of high school, uh, you're only 18, 19, and that's the age I was at at that particular time. Uh, 
So you really don't know. You're just following orders. But what happened to you uh, when you did go there and came back? And uh, you see a lot of veterans in wheelchairs. They don't have a leg or arm or a lot of stuff that's going on and how they continue on. So one of the stories that uh, you're going to be hearing is uh, they had a veteran that just got there to Vietnam. So he just got there, but uh, he had another guy was saying, well, you know, another soldier said, I'll be going home in about two more weeks. At that time, uh, there was gunfire. Uh, the enemy was attacking them. And I want to share this story with you because you're going to find out what happened to the guy that only had two weeks and how it affect the one that just got there. choppers come in we headed for the tree line and we started getting fire from another the other side and then to drop into an LZ and being fired up on probably being my age at 18 or 19 years old I mean it was petrifying it's organized chaos if uh, you are taking fire and if you are hit you try you attempt to land in the LZ that's where your protection is and the chalk pilots were just pushing us all the time when I'm down there you guys get off here as soon as you can and so we jumped off and boy he was out of there when you're under duress especially the first time you're under fire it's, it's frightening, very frightening, especially when you don't see the enemy. You didn't know who your enemy was at any time. There was no safe area. We went through a lot, a lot of stuff over there that people didn't know about because uh, it wasn't allowed on the 6 o'clock news. Yes, drugs were used in Vietnam and so was uh, alcohol. It was very rich with drugs, um, the whole country. And I think that was just a sign of the times. It probably was happening back here. Obviously, more drug usage with more sophisticated type of drugs. You saw people next to you being injured or killed, and I, I think everybody, even nowadays, human nature is, it happens to the next guy. It won't happen to me. But losing a fellow soldier, a friend, a brother, a loved one, it hurts. We did the best we could. We gave it our all while we were over there, and I want everybody to know that. Being in the military and coming out of the military, now I see the flag of the United States, and I'm proud. I'm real proud of that flag. But I can stand up 
and salute the flag and say, it's mine. I helped fight for that flag. You know, it's uh, like when we came back, uh, I was on aboard ship. We were coming underneath the Golden Gate Bridge and they were throwing garbage on us. Welcome home. like two hours before dark and the place was called Leech, Leech Hill. And a guy came up to me and said, hey Cherry, he calls Cherries. He tell you make your first kill. He said, I got 21 days left and I'm going home. He told me his name but I forgot what it was. He, he, you know, he's teasing me at first. He said, you'll be all right. And, and then this big guy named Chadwick, the dog, they called him. He uh, came over and said, I'm gonna train you. I'm gonna be with you for a week or two and then you're gonna be on your own. And so um, there's this guy that walked away. He was telling me he was, had 21 days left. He walked away and I had my M16 in my hand. It was loaded and I saw uh, my gook came in, running in with the RPG. And uh, I just, right there with everybody around. I mean, it was a clean shot. I shot him seven times, but he got the round off and it, and it hit right in front of this guy and blew both his legs off, an arm, a finger, and an ear, and an eye. And so Chadwick went right up to him because it was one of his best friends and he had this little green beret hat on. And he said, Chadwick, if you love me, he says, you'll, you'll kill me because I can't go home like this. He said, okay, he got his 45 out and put it up to his head and the company commander said, Chadwick, you can't do that, you can't do it. He said, okay, he wants me to do it, but you can't do it. Medics tidied him up, you know, got to stop the bleeding and everything. The guy was conscious the whole time. And the company commander asked me, he says, hey, do you mind uh, go pick up his legs and put them on the chopper? And I said, sure. So I went and picked up his legs and uh, somebody else picked up the arm and I put him on the chopper and the guy told me, he said, he said, he said, thanks. He said, I'm not going home in 21 days. I'm going home now. <clears throat> so that was just my, my first day, day in the field. And every day, <laughs> was something like that. When I got off of the helicopter that brought me from the jungle back to LC Jane, there was an officer and he told me I was to get on that helicopter. So I went over and got on the helicopter. I got off of the helicopter in Fubai and there was another officer standing there. And he said, there's a plane waiting for you. So I went over, I, I went over and got on this plane and it took off and I landed in Cameron Bay. And when I got in Cameron Bay, there was an, a Jeep with two MPs sitting on it, and they were waiting for me. So I, now I still have all my cam, I have my backpack, I'm, I'm ready for battle. I mean, I haven't turned anything in or given anybody anything, I'm ready for battle. And um, the MPs put me in the Jeep and said, let's get something to eat, and we'll take you over to the, to the, to the uh, company commander after a while. So I went to a mess hall. This is the first time in six months that I'd had hot food on a table. 
and I went through, and this was the time that I knew I was not well. This was that defining moment that I knew that I had turned into a, an animal. I went through this line with all my combat stuff on, watching as these guys would scoop this food out and put it on my plate. Everybody in the place was spit shine and polished. It was an MP unit. They were all looking good, except me. And I remember looking at the guy who had put some mashed potatoes on my plate. And when I and he told he put this spoonful on my plate and told me to move on. And I remember when I looked at him, he didn't say anything. He just picked up the spoon and gave me some more. And he said, "Do you want more?" I didn't have to say anything to him. I don't know what was in my eyes, but it. I, I, I visibly saw him scared. Now I'm at a table and I have every cold drink they make. I have Kool-Aid and milk and cold water and, and sodas and I had everything in front of me and I had this giant plate of food. These three MPs came and sat with me and I found myself holding my arm around my food down and I remember this so well, I had a chicken leg and I was scooping mashed potatoes with my fingers into my mouth. And there was nobody in this place talking. They were all staring at me. And that was the time I, said, I thought to myself, what has happened to me? What has happened to me? And I pushed the food away and a guy said, come on, we'll go get you some clean clothes. The mess hall's open all day. So he took me over to the shower place and he went and got some clean clothes for me and I showered and I used the entire bar of soap and I washed my hair and all the shampoo was, I used all the shampoo and I had hot water and I just stood there trying to rationalize what has happened to me.